Welcome back, everybody. Podcast number 11 of the Podland Tennis Talk with Scott. Getting up there, uh, almost 700 listeners, which is uh, pretty cool. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, enjoying trying to do this and see if I can get a little bit better. Let's get right to it. I got some things to talk about today. Uh, first off, some some sort of notes. I'd mentioned the pickleball clinic at the Wisconsin Athletic Club. Both classes, the Saturday and the Wednesday, are full with a pretty long waiting list, which is great. So we're going to be announcing soon, maybe later, next couple of days, uh, some other other events that you can come to if you want to learn how to play. That'll be taught by myself and Will East out at the Whack Lake Country. It is open to non-members, but many have asked, and they filled up so quick. We're going to offer some more, so be on the lookout for that. You'll see it on my social media, email. You can text me, too. Um, so look for that. Uh, another one, again, I got some random stuff. If you all haven't played Whirlyball, and you may not know what that is, but we played it out at a whack tennis get-together um, out of Brookfield Square Mall. You basically bumper cars, basketball, lacrosse, maybe. I don't play lacrosse, but um, you basically drive these bumper cars around, and you've got goals at the end, similar to a basketball court and a scoreboard, and you just try to shoot this big wiffle ball into the target and score points, and it was a lot of fun. And if you're looking for something fun to do, check it out. I was terrible at it. All I did was smash into the wall head on over and over and over and get stuck in places, but still really enjoyed it. And uh, again, if you're just looking for something fun to do with your work, friends, family, it'd be a great place to go check out. I didn't even know it really existed, but it's uh, it was pretty awesome. So a sleep update, because this podcast is becoming all about me and my issues. Um, I've been trying things, so I was recommended a tea called 40 Winks. I tried it. The usual didn't do anything. Um, I tried the edibles. Didn't see much of a issue, so I'm still... I'm still working on it. Some of it may be I have put on a little bit of weight over the past uh, three months, and maybe I can't sleep because I'm uh, unhealthy. I don't know. That could be it. So if you see me, make fun of me so I can get my act together. Um, so first two, before I get to the tennis stuff, I just I want to throw out a pickleball conversation that interests me. Uh, might bother some people, but I'm. I'm curious for those of you that play or are in that community. Um, so recently I've had three individual people reach out to me about getting private pickleball lessons. Great. I do that. Um, I'm knowledgeable. I can, I can teach that. All three of them eventually declined due to the cost. All three of these people also take private tennis lessons. Not necessarily from me but they know the fees. Um, and this is very common. And my question is, why do pickleball players seem to believe that a private lesson in pickleball is worth less than a private lesson in tennis or golf or whatever else they're taking? It's the same amount of time. It's the same coaching. It's just a smaller space. And for some reason, that smaller space, smaller rackets, I think makes people leave. There's less value to it. But it's still, in my case, it's an hour of my time. And if an hour of my time is worth $60 to a tennis player for a lesson, why should it be less for a pickleball player? 
Um, and this isn't me making this up. It's across the board. Even since I started it at Moreland several years ago, I'm just curious for the pickleballers out there. What do you think? Will that culture, is it evolving into players valuing instructional lesson time as much as the tennis community does? Court time is similar. I know pickleball started at least around here, people for free, a dollar in the donation jar, um, three, four, or five dollars, and play for unlimited, play for hours. Where tennis players, you know, they would love to have those rates. It just doesn't make sense. But I guess my question is a conversation is that starting to change? If you're a pickleball player, why do you think that seems to be the case? Is that the instructional side of pickleball hasn't caught up with the social side, I suppose. Um, so just, you know, random thoughts that uh, I thought I'd throw out there, especially since of the 10 podcasts I've done and almost 700 listens, my number one response to things is about my sleep. I rarely get a tennis question anymore. I'll get a few comments, but I have a whole lot of people trying to help me sleep better. I don't get much tennis talk. So I thought maybe this would be one of those that would spark some conversation. Um, so let me know what you think about that. If you're in the, you're in the pickleball world, I just think it's an interesting topic and it pickleball is here. So it's, it's coming. It's already here and just wanted to know what y'all thought about it. So, so today our tennis topic, we're gonna talk about poaching. Um, I teach it a lot and, and, I think generally tennis players know what it is, um, but I think poaching, I think poaching is a lifestyle choice. It's not something you do on the court occasionally when the score is correct for you, when you've got a good server. I think it's something you do. It's who you are. It's what you do on the court when you walk on the court. It's not pick and choose that I'm going to be a poacher today or I'm going to poach this point it's i'm going all the time there is no you should never not be poaching i guess um think about it this is probably silly but i've said silly things think about it like brushing your teeth hopefully you just do it you do it as part of your day two times three times i brush my teeth like crazy it's just something you do you don't choose to do it and wait until your teeth are so gross and disgusting that you have to do it. You just, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's who, it's who you are. It's what we do. Um, but you wouldn't wait until, oh man, and haven't brushed my teeth in three weeks. They've turned black and green and looking pretty nasty. I better brush them now. You're not waiting for an invitation. You just, you just do it. Um, that brings me to my dentist story real quick. I got to get off topic. So I went 10 years between dentist visits once. This is since I've been in Wisconsin. 10 years between going to the dentist. Now, if you're a dentist out there, uh, I don't know, some sort of health nut, you're probably going to yell at me. But I finally went. I think my wife and my kids tricked me into an appointment and uh, went to the dentist. This is 10 years between appointments. I was totally fine. I had no cavities, I got a cleaning, nothing was wrong. And my dentist told me that if you just brush and floss consistently like you're supposed to, you don't need a dentist. Anyway, that's my dentist story, 10 years. And now I'm on a streak of probably 
five, something like that. So I think I might have a few people in that uh, profession listening to this. So please don't yell at me. But I do floss and brush constantly. So I'm taking care of myself. Um, so anyway, this this poaching stuff. I had a group last week that asked about it. And they were all four good players. They had the common thing. The ball would cross. And they would lean to their right or left a little bit. And the next ball would cross. And they'd lean a little bit more. And the next ball, and they just slow, just always thinking about it, but not acting on it. And I think many people have a have a fear of committing to just going. Just go get the freaking ball. I think that should be the name. Maybe it's the name of this podcast. Get the freaking ball. Okay, poaching is getting a ball that wouldn't be considered yours. It's stealing from your partner because you have a better chance than them for success. It's not my half and your half. It's not just off the serve. Or the return. It's always looking for a way to help your team win. So I'm going to steal anything I can get. It's stealing. It's not like the groups I work with. They tend to think poaching is the first move after the serve. It can be. It should be. It can also be the last move of the point. It can be later in the point. You see a ball you can get. And you take off and getting it. So don't limit yourself to just that one moment in a point off the serve. That's silly. There'd be a bunch more shots left. So you've got to keep playing on that. Um, So I'm going to give you a list of things that I use when I talk to people about poaching and common things that they say to me. So first one, I'm going to start with no particular order. I always tell them you, if someone is hesitating, I always ask them, did you come here to play tennis? Or did you come to stand around and watch everybody else play? It's, it's your time is valuable you came to play. Why would you stand and let ball after ball go past you on either side? I didn't grow up with access to indoor courts. Our closest courts were about an hour away from us. So I remember one Christmas, my parents surprised my brother and I, Mark, with some indoor tennis lessons in Terre Haute, Indiana, southern Indiana, with uh, the late, great Bill Hennis, was the tennis director. And he was very well-known, good dude. Um... That was huge for us to get to take a few tennis lessons in the winter. And I have people now, and there's people listening to this, that get the opportunity to take multiple lessons a week and drills and drill and plays and matches and all these great opportunities here for indoor tennis. I didn't have that. So I think part of this comes from take advantage of those things. If you're going to spend that money and go to the court, why don't you play? Every time that ball crosses you, crosses you and you don't touch it, put a dollar amount on it. That's that's 50 cents. You, you paid 20 bucks to play for 90 minutes and you just let six balls go by you that were yours. Cha-ching. So if you can think about it in, in that sense, you pay that membership, you pay your court fees, you pay for all of this. Time, especially here in Wisconsin, indoor court time is hard to get. Play. Don't stand. Don't let the other people get a better value than you. Again, that's one way I, I sort of talk to some people that might might stick with them. There's multiple ways, but don't waste that opportunity. Not everybody has it. Hit the hit the freaking ball. That seems to be what I keep coming down to. Uh, another one I get all the time. I will have players look at me while they're playing or a drill or any situation and tell me, well, Scott, they're not hitting any to me. Well, that's not my fault. Why are you talking to me? Go get the ball. Keep in mind, tennis is really, to me, it's, it's a big game of keep away. Doubles. 
and singles for that matter. It's your fault. If you're not playing, whose fault is it? It's yours. Your opponent's job is not to hit you easy balls, right? Your opponent's job is to keep it from you and not give you a chance to be successful. So don't look to your coach. Don't look to your partner. Don't ask your opponents, hey, can you guys hit me some? That makes absolutely no sense to me. Seems a little bit insane, right? So if you're not playing, it's your fault. It's nobody else's. You've got a racket in your hand and two feet. Let's go. Find the ball. Find a way. Keep working. Like I mentioned before, poaching is constant, right? Another one I get, I got it this last week. I don't want to get in their way. I was afraid she was going to hit me or I was going to hit him. Um, I Again, I think that's... I think that's a stretch. In almost all cases, when you're moving around with your doubles partner, you don't crash into each other. I would ask you, do some math, because my math skills are awesome. How many points have you played in your life? Individual points. I don't know how many I've played. Let's say it's a million. How many of those million ended with you being smashed in the face with a tennis racket or getting tackled by your opponent? Probably pretty low. In my case, it's a zero. I can't remember ever, ever having that issue. Everybody has their story. You are welcome to tell me all about your story when you crashed and I'm evil because I'm trying to crash you into each other. It's going to happen. Someone's going to have an injury. But in the big picture, it's not that big a deal. It's so rare it can't be a reason that you decide not to steal things and jump in front of your partner. You just got to get out there. I believe human nature, athletes, when they see someone and hear someone coming towards them with a stick in their hand, their basic instinct is to get out of the way. It's to move over, to duck, to back up, to get out of the way. It's just so rare. I I don't hardly see it. So please tell me all your stories of crashing into each other and how I'm wrong, but I'm going to win the argument. So a big one that, again, these are common things I hear that many of you listening to this have probably said. Uh, They beat me down the line. So, who cares? How many points do you get for losing down the alley? It's one. How many do they get if you don't poach and your partner hits it in the net? They get one. It's all worth one point. Getting beat down the alley, it means nothing. It's one... One ball. All that is is an opportunity for you to get it back on the next one and move to the center of the court or trick them. Move to the middle, get them to hit down the alley. Just that small space, four and a half feet to your right or left, it's the hardest shot there is out there. So who cares? I'm telling you, I have it every day I'm on the court. I'll have somebody and try to move them a little more active towards the center. They'll lose down the line. They turn around and look at me like, ha, look at that. I got you. And I tell them, I don't care. How many points was it? It's one point. You've got to get out and play. So try not to freak out about that situation of losing a ball down the line. I also would look at my partner. If I take off, find a partner that um, can cover that for you. I mean, that's an option. It's not always just you moving across that court. Um, What about the one my partner gets mad at me? Man, that's normal. Many of you have had that, you poach, they beat you down the alley, your partner gives you the look, the glare, the eye roll, she points at you, tells you to stay in your half. That would drive me nuts. My quick answer, find a new partner. Don't play with people who would 
treat you like that or make those comments or think they are so good that they can handle everything. Find partners that work with you and want you to help them. Every time you steal a ball and you poach, you're helping your baseliner. They don't have to play anymore. So I don't have much for that other. If you want to keep your friendships, great. Tell them you'd love to be friends with them, but you're not going to play tennis with them anymore. What about my partner can't cover me? They're not fast enough. They're not as court aware to see that you've started to move and they need to cover. That one I think you can fix. Communicate better. Maybe you give them a heads up. Tell them, hey, I'm, I'm going to be active up here. I'm going to move a lot towards the middle. If you see me, you see me shade toward the center, go ahead and switch with me and call it out. It's okay. I'll, I'll go across if I hear you. You don't have to wait. And you can have that communication. It's not about... Um, you know, don't necessarily have to use signals, things like that, but just have that conversation. Cause if you feel like they're trying, they're not mad at you. They just, they like what you're doing. They just can't quite get over there to cover the other side of the court. Then you can work with them. Let them know, here's what I do. When I move to all right, just go. We can, you can work out a plan there with the, some good words. I get all the time. I'm not fast enough. Man, I'm sounding pretty negative today. I don't care if you're fast enough. Just leave earlier. If I need to be at work by 10, I don't leave at 9.45 and drive crazy fast. I leave at 9.15 and give myself plenty of time, plenty of room to operate. It's not about speed. I think it's about preparation. If you know you're slow. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I have to take off a little earlier. I have to get a head start versus just sprinting out of there so if you can learn to know your speed a little bit you can gauge it a little bit more and just simply leave earlier not necessarily about how fast you run when do i go i get that a question when, when should i go and i usually respond with something like all the time whenever you want all those things just go the the point is not necessarily running across, hitting a winner every single time. It's causing chaos. It's getting them to worry about you. It's getting the returner, the baseline, or the other team to have to be accountable to you versus having you stand in one space, not doing anything. Um, big one that bothers me too. Again, this, this podcast is therapy for me. So I don't I guess nobody even has to listen. This is just good for my mental health. The players that tell me I couldn't get that. So they stand in their spot, ball goes by, and I look at them, and they'll look at me, and they'll tell me, I couldn't get that. My answer is, how do you know? You didn't even try. So how do you know you couldn't get it when you didn't even attempt to get it? You cannot get a ball that's not yours if you don't give it a shot first. I like to have people learn their range, meaning gather some evidence, go after one. If you can't reach it, now we've got a little evidence that all right, that one was too far. Or you need to, like I mentioned previously, start earlier. Or you need to start your base position at the net a little bit further over to the right or the left, whichever direction you're going. But it can't be, oh, that went by me, I can't get it. Because I'm going to ask you, you don't know that, you didn't even try. Now That's very important, just make yourself do it. So poaching is stealing. It's taking a ball that's not necessarily yours. If you look at the court, it's it's your partner's ball. But you're closer. 
at the net. You have a chance to win versus they have a chance to continue. And I, my advice is just play. Why? I don't. I mentioned Whirly Ball the other night, and some hopefully some of the whack people that were there might listen to this. I think I played every game because I had never done it before, and I wanted to play. I didn't. I don't drink much, so I think I had one drink. Didn't eat a whole lot. Every time there was a chance to get in one of those cars, I'm in. I'm jumping in. I want to play. And I was terrible at it. But I didn't want to sit and watch other people have a good time. So I'd encourage you, just play. Find a way to get out there. Be a be a active poacher. Help your partner. Do some things to cause chaos. And you'll enjoy your time better. Get some value out of your your money, your entertainment time, um, and I think you'll you'll find that uh, you'll win some more matches just by being real active. So that's all I got this time. Thanks, everybody. Hope um, hope your new year started off good on the tennis court, and I will talk to y'all very soon. Bye bye. <laughs>